Episode 116, Tevis Trower. Hey, Gut Plus Science, you are in for a high energy episode today. Hey, by the way, if you ever don't get high energy episodes from me, you need to ping me because I want that all the time. But this lady challenged me to go to a higher level with energy. She's awesome. I got to chat with Tevis Trower and go pretty deep and really had a lot of fun. This conversation really inspired me to do some introspection And I hope you get energized and inspired to take a look at you today to identify ways to sharpen up and really be the person you want to be, the person you want to become. So Tevis is the CEO of Balance Integration and her fire for life is contagious. You're definitely going to want to connect with her after this show. You'll see why. Tevis, welcome to Gut Plus Science. Okay, we're just diving right in today. Talk about how much we overlook getting to know ourselves, like focusing on quality improvement or service to others, and just the overall importance of getting to know ourselves better. Talk about how much we overlook that. Well, I think it's such a fascinating thing to create an archetypal sense of what happens to us. Those of us who choose to move into whatever your field is, that you choose to excel in, right? We look around at the world around us and we ask ourselves, how do I win, right? And the how do I win question starts usually really, really, really young, like between two and four. You start to ask yourself, how do I be safe? How do I be accepted? How do I exert control? How do I get what I want? And these very primordial questions continue to replay themselves over and over and over again throughout life. Now you think about that, And there's not a lot of direction to how do I do this from my inner sense. A lot of it is extrinsic. And specifically, as we move into the phase in our life where we start to think about our career and we start to think about what kind of lifestyle do we want, what kind of relationships, like what is the organizing principle that we're going for for our identity? So much of it is about box checking and skills aggregation, which all converges around this question of power and influence, right? Well, if you're good at that, then chances are that you've had to curate, right? You've had to kind of sever uh, some other concerns along the way. And those other concerns is something that our society oftentimes says is mutually exclusive of being successful at work. And that is knowing who you are. And knowing what you're actually walking into the door every day with that voice of wisdom inside of yourself, that inner guide that is a resource that very few leaders prioritize as being a core competency for doing well at work. And you said box checker as part of what you were sharing there. And it made the hair on my arm stand up. I was like, okay, we're talking about that. So I always have to know the why are we doing this before I can pour any energy into it. So I need to know what is the result that we're looking to create and why are we doing it this way? And so I just want to mention for people out there that might be frustrated about something that you have on your list or that you've been doing, think about why are you doing it? Like, are you doing it to check a box because you've done it forever? Or are you doing it because there's truly an outcome that you're going to serve that's going to make things better? That's a whole nother show and a soapbox, but I thought I would just throw it in. (laughs) We're going to do a tap dance on that soapbox one day, Nikki, because I so agree. (laughs) Okay, so you're coming back. We're going to release episode two soon, and it'll be stop checking boxes. (laughs) Do things that are meaningful. 
So I want to dig in on, you were talking about extrinsic. I want to talk about the intrinsic with you. And I know you're passionate about this. So as a leader, we have to know our motivators. We have to know our drivers. We have to know our why. Like one of the best TED Talks ever was Simon Sinek's, you know, getting to the core of why, like lead with why for a reason. Like we need to know ourselves internally, right? The core core. So just opening up this broad question, how do we assess the intrinsic as a leader? It's interesting because there's there's usually a flavor du jour around this question of purpose and who am I really? And I love the work that Simon has done to, to really advance our current expression of it. Uh, prior to that, from a collective standpoint, it might have been, what's your BHAG? Prior to that, it was, do you have a personal brand statement, a mission statement, right? Like there's there's always someone agitating and encouraging us to look inward. The problem is that oftentimes it becomes jargon. And even if it touches our heart, in the moment of the board meeting, in the moment of who gets that next project, in the moment of who's going to win the deal, in the moment of dealing with your kid having a meltdown after Little League, right? We don't always pause and go the next step and ask, how do I behave? And what does the true self that I claim I'm trying to come from, how does that influence my how? And so it's really easy to head nod, right? In a moment of a TED Talk or reading a book that really touches and inspires you, we can all feel the rumblings of the deepest um, self, which is what I like to call the radical self. The radical self, not meaning extremist, but meaning from the Latin root of radis, right? Which means root. So from your deepest rooted self, how does this come into play, not just in a moment of repose, but how does it come into play, influencing every next action that you take? So let's bring this to life. Tell us a story of a leader that you've worked alongside and you've seen this story. They're a great intrinsically focused leader and just the overall impact of their life on others is so rich because of it. I was coaching a high performer at one of the world's largest private equity firms and there was a small group that were entrusted to me. And one of the things I saw is the absolute attention to excellence, right? The absolute attention to being this commensurate idea of what it means to succeed there. And meanwhile, behind closed doors, when we would talk about what is your experience of managing, what is your experience of encouraging risk-taking, right? What is your experience of fostering a culture where your people are able to express what they truly think, right? All these things that that actually are the fabric of what moves an organization forward authentically. And part of what I saw was there was a huge gap between who they thought they should be and how they were actually treating themselves, right? So they had come up with this idea of what it means to be a high performer being groomed for the C-suite at the world's largest private equity firm, or one of them. This idea, it's almost like there's, there's a Wizard of Oz projection of who we think we should be. And then meanwhile, behind the curtain, the level of cruelty 
of self-abnegation, of fear, and I'm talking even down to the pettiest level of fear-based response in the moment of a power struggle. All of these things are festering under the surface. And so the question becomes, do you really think that you are going to be able to lead the way you aspire to lead and not be earnestly observing and addressing how you function day in, day out? Because I promise you it comes forth. I promise you that. So part of what came to surface for a few of them, but one in particular, was he realized that through the course of his day, and we're talking 10-hour days minimum, and that's in office, adding on to the commute time, adding on to the hours and miles he spends on the road with clients, we started to look at how much time was available, how much time had he carved out within the scope of a day to even allow himself to ask these questions, to clear his mind so that he could be truly present? How much was he carrying the agita and the emotion of one meeting into the next meeting into the next meeting, even though he's a thoughtful guy and he knows how to stay focused and all those things? There was no space in his life because he would roll straight from that into being a great dad to three kids with a beautiful home in Connecticut and, and keeping all those balls in the air with the community and the spouse, et cetera. There was literally no room in his life for him. Now, when you think about the lack of compassion towards self, and then you ask yourself, well, so what's going to happen in a moment of conflict at work? Well, if there's no room for compassion, that means your nervous system is going to be kind of triggered all the time. And it becomes a lot harder to even tell a mountain from a molehill. So what we really worked on was, was how do you, okay, he had his great why and he had a sense of his how, but he had to make space to be aligned with both throughout the day that would then support his action. So it's carving out just a tiny bit of space for that clarity to work. Yes, it's so important and it's so easy to get wrapped up in the opposite of just one thing after the other and not taking that time out, but then the impact that that has. So building in that white space to really connect with ourselves and get to know ourselves. And, you know, I'm going to quote Eminem here for a minute because he's my favorite rapper, but we only get one life, one shot, one opportunity. And I feel like it's so important to lose yourself in your music, if you will, like your jam, right? And so we have, that's our work, our work. And all of us should be doing work that, makes us want to lose ourselves in that. But at the same time, great leaders live very fulfilled, meaningful lives in that work. And when we let everything else take over, we really lose ourselves. And it's not losing ourselves in like what brings us the meaning and fulfillment. So it's so important. Well, I want to counter you because I love Eminem, but I also love <laughs> The Doors. And Jim Morrison reminds us, no one here gets out alive right? Like this is a limited time only experience, right? So how come we can be so skilled at climbing the ladder? We can be so skilled at playing the game. We can have all these skills and life is so full of opportunity, but something inside of us feels like we're starving to death. Like it's a banquet and we're starving at the banquet. 
because we haven't fed ourselves. And the reason I bring that up is I know there are people here that are listening right now that go, oh, yeah, that's another thing about creating space for yourself, right? But when you really think about how easy it is to poo-poo and say, well, I've got another conference call, I've got a this, I've got a that, I've got a this, I've got a that, that, that constant firefighting, that constant chasing the bunny, it's exactly back to your question. Why is it so important that we dignify this, not as being a soft skill, but as being a leadership skill? And that's exactly why. Is it, it's so easy to push it aside. So for those people that they're like, oh, yeah, this is just another leadership podcast, I think the mic drop was saying no one gets out of here alive, right? And why would we, why would anybody be just like coasting through? Why would anyone be miserable? Why would anyone not live intentional? So that's a key takeaway right there. I mean, if that's like all you take from this, you can go ahead and press stop now, even though we do want you to listen to the whole thing. Go figure out what that is that is going to light your fire and help you like, wow, this is this is my one shot. I don't get out alive. Like I am going to live better starting right now and more meaningful for me. So something we've got to dig in on because we could go off in so many soapboxes. I know it. But I want to go into the should be's that you talked about. And I want you to give us your take on the should be's because we all have them, whether there's many of them or there's few of them, but they can be super damaging. There's also another side that like should be's can be a growth opportunity. But most of us use should be's to compare or, you know, really break ourselves down. And I want you to talk about them. The should hits the fan, right? Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Are you shitting all over yourself, right? All of these cute plays on the word should, no matter how you've heard it used, it keeps you from being in authentic relationship with yourself and with others. Because you brought this up. One, the shoulds can oftentimes be inspired by what we see outside of us that we think, oh, maybe if I do that, that'll make me happy. Or, oh, maybe if I lead that way, that'll make me more powerful. Or, oh, maybe if I act this way, if I look this way, if I change my hobbies, if I join the right golf club, right, whatever, that somehow this aggregation is going to keep us safe and take us into this objective that we've chosen, that somehow we've associated with being the epitome of fulfillment for us, right? Now, the way in which this is really destructive is that it's a waste of time. And unless the shows are being driven by an internal, an intrinsic questioning of does this feel right? And it's such a little question. We think that right and wrong comes from our minds. It actually comes from our hearts because your mind can be a really big fat liar, right? Your mind can rationalize. It can justify. It can find all kinds of loopholes, et cetera, et cetera. Your heart is a source of wisdom that doesn't know how to lie to you. Your heart tells you, not only when you've really screwed up, but it also holds it in the big picture of having compassion. And what I think is interesting about the shoulds is all of us have our own secret formula that we've been aggregating since our very earliest memories of what those shoulds are for us. So you probably have an archetype, right, Nikki? I know I do. 
how do you move into questioning those shoulds? How do you know when you're more aligned with those shoulds than you are with your truth? And I'll tell you how. It's not going to feel good. Anytime a should is in control, it's going to feel a little bit like a contraction, right? It's going to feel a little bit like you're getting further away from yourself as opposed to closer to yourself. And if you want to be a powerful leader, your safest place ever to stand is in firm connection to yourself. That is the safest, most powerful place that you can ever stand. Totally agree. And I I feel like when the shoulds are right, the feeling is flow. I tell people, if you feel like your life is flowing, when you say hell yes to something versus hell no to something, like there's a very different, it's very distinctive, right? And it, and it that is the example. And I so I think really the shoulds are probably 99% external. I don't know what the stats are. I'm just throwing that out. But it, it is so much external stuff. And really the litmus test is how you feel. And am I flowing with saying yes to this or focusing on this should because it's going to make me better. And I do need to embrace that little uncomfort because, because the outcome is to make me better, right? So I want to talk about habits because I love habits. And I feel like those are the things that build us just to be our greatest version of ourselves. So Tevis, what do you see are the habits of leaders who are well connected to themselves? Aside from eliminating the shoulds and blocking white space, what else comes to mind? Rugged individuation, rugged ability to be who they are and do it gracefully and with absolute confidence. Now the word The word confidence means with faith. We oftentimes think it's some kind of a supernatural thing or or it just, some people have it and some people don't. But the reality is the word means confide, with faith, right? So the leadership kind of practice and mentality I see that's a constant among folks, whether you agree with them or not, you will see they are completely okay with being true to themselves. An Elon Musk, a Steve Jobs, an Oprah. You can look at these folks and go, wow, they are really at home in their skin. So I I think it's a great habit to cultivate in the heat of the moment saying, how connected am I to myself? And am I resting in that? Am I standing in it? Am I coming from that strength and that faith? I think that's a huge one. The other one is curiosity. I mean shut up and learn. You spend time with a leader, they are going to listen to you with rapt attention. Oftentimes, they're going to be the last person to speak up. So they're absolutely going to be pushing their own envelope to not only learn from these conversations and from everyone on their team and from the news and from stakeholders and vendors, et cetera. They're, they're, they're sponges because they know that they're just one brain, that they're just one set of patterns. And they know that the more elastic they encourage their own kind of neuroplasticity to be, the more able they're going to be to respond, to be resilient, to be aware, to actually see things as they're starting to take shape. So I think those are my favorites. So, so much stuff in this already. And so now I want to tie this all together with really how it impacts what our mission of the show is around, which is 
doing meaningful work and living meaningful lives because we spend the majority of our life working and a whole nother series on that. We could go dive deep on like, why would you do anything else? Why? Like you do really work on meaningful things and you're going to have a meaningful outcome in your life. And so that's always my challenge to people. And I'd love to now say, okay, so Tevis, how does being connected to ourselves, knowing ourselves, being intrinsically connected and, and focused on that at the highest level, how does that help us help others, especially tying that to engaging our people, engaging people at work? I know everyone is sick of hearing this phrase, right? Imposter syndrome, right? And once upon a time, we use it specifically to pertain to people who were historically underrepresented in work environments, corporate environments. And the more we've peeled back the onion, the more obvious it's become, wow, everyone feels like a fake. Everyone feels like they can't be who they are. So they don't bring them whole selves to work. They spend a lot of time and energy either suppressing what they really think or what they really see is happening, or they're not as authentic in the connections that they do have. And so the relationships aren't as close. There's not as much trust. And so when you look at the influence of being around a leader who, when you are in his or her presence, you know they are completely embodied in who they are. It gives everyone around you permission. It gives everyone around them permission to step into these very same questions and to access that source of confidence, that source of courage to navigate through work with more creativity, more ability to take a calculated risk, more ability to create, to push the envelope, to say what they really think. And that's what is going to evolve the overall entire team, company, the organization forward. And I would say the planet forward. We need everyone on board. This is an all hands on deck moment. This is not a moment for any of us to be on cruise control. Like all of us need to be awake at the wheel and paying attention to where the road is going and where do we want to go. So we're about to transition into what we call our lightning round, but I wanted to share with you what my favorite seven-year-old, who was six at the time, this was, oh gosh, around December, around holiday, the holiday time, just this this past holiday, his name's Joey, really close to his parents, and we're sitting there in the car driving somewhere, and he hears us talking about the election and COVID and all these different things. And we have our, you know, all of us were really coming from the same space, but we were talking about others and, and their shoulds on maybe us or people around us or something. And he interrupts, he's six years old and he interrupts and he said, Miss Nikki, here's what I like to tell people. You be you and I be I. And I never, I mean, I'm still saying it. I, anytime that someone would get talking about, well, I can't believe that they think this way, or I can't believe they're voting for them, or I can't believe this. I'd be like, can I tell you what my favorite six-year-old told me? And it was really helpful. You be you and I be I. And it's just like, I, I just think it's the epitome of what we're talking about. Because then as leaders, when we show up that way and really know ourselves and act from ourselves authentically, we encourage other people to do that too. So. Wise words from the kids in our lives if we just uh, be curious and listen to what they have to say. So, Tevis, this has been so fun, so action-packed. It sounds like we're going to be doing this a lot more because we have much more to cover. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor today, and we're going to come back with our lightning round where we get to learn a little bit more about you. We'll be right back. 
Gut Plus Science has just joined the People Forward Network. Gut Plus Science has been on a journey for three and a half years, and we got inspired to create a global podcast network that captures the most incredible efforts of people-first leaders and humans working on a meaningful mission. We believe that the workplace is the largest mission field for change, and the People Forward Network is the largest community of humans on a shared journey to live life full of meaning. We'd love for you to join the People Forward Network. There are all kinds of new shows and existing shows coming together under one umbrella to bring you the best content as a community on a mission. Can't wait for you to join us. See the link to peopleforwardnetwork.com in the show notes. Okay, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Tevis Trower. Great conversation today. Loved every second of it. And now we're going to shine a spotlight for our lightning round on Tevis and just learn a little bit more about her. So take us into your world. First question I love to ask is, what is your favorite book of all time or a favorite recent read? Favorite recent read, The Hype Handbook by Michael Shine. He was very curious about um, how the hucksters and tricksters and the thugs throughout history have learned to garner support and get people's trust. And so he studied it and wrote a book to help all of those of us who are not thugs and, and <laughs> hucksters and tricksters to learn from those skills. So I really enjoyed that. I think my favorite book of all time, I mean, this is going way back, but I know it may not surprise you, but I love the Bhagavad Gita. It just talks about how no matter what lifetime we are born into, we cannot cop out on the challenges of our times. We have to step into it and participate. And I think that's really an invocation for all of us who call ourselves ourselves leaders. What is your favorite hobby when you're not working? If I'm by the seashore, it's surfing. And if I'm at my house in the mountains, it's planking on my guitar and writing songs. How about your favorite vacation spot? Oh my gosh. I don't have one favorite. I've got a really busy passport and it's gotten really noisy and lonely over the past year. So I'm looking forward to dusting it off and um, just kind of spinning the globe and letting my finger land and going there next. I love other cultures. I love being in places that have been formed and influenced by other ways of thinking, by other types of creativity and foods and music. I think it's um, it's one of the giant gifts of being born on this planet um, is just how different we can all be. Um, so getting into it is, um, is a delight. And then Tevis, how can our listeners connect with you after the show today? I would love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me at balanceintegration.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Insta. I don't tweet a whole lot, but you'll find me there as Corporate Yogi. I do a weekly live stream called the Game Changer Chats. And I look for people as cool and amazing as Nikki to come tell me how they have created a life that's really allowed them to kick butt in the ways that they have wanted to and be true to themselves. So feel free to chime in. It's always a joy. All right, Tevis, that was awesome. Here's my truth you can act on from our conversation. Number one, we've got to deeply know our why to know our how and discern box checking 
from impactful work. No more box checking, only impactful, meaningful work. Number two, take time to be with you and gain clarity in you. We only get one shot at this life from what I know, especially this one. And the most important thing is to take care of and maximize you. Just a reminder. Number three, stop the shoulds. Catch yourself when you say it or think it. No more shoulds. Cancel, cancel. Number four, don't forget, curious leaders are powerful leaders. How can you be more curious today? I'm going to do that today too. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.